the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you bless the Lord today, this morning? Let him hear your voice rise up to his ears. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his name. Can you thank him today? Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, your grace, your blessings, your provision, your protection, guiding us, oh Lord. We just thank you this morning. You're worthy of glory, honor, praise. You're worthy to be lifted up and magnified. We bow down before you and worship you. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Worthy to be lifted up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We praise you, Lord, for helping us navigate through life. We thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you, dear Lord. Hallelujah. We're grateful for all that you do on our behalf. You're a loving God that never changes. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So powerful, Lord. You speak things into existence. You're a mighty God, always present in times of struggle. Always present. Oh, Lord, when we are going here and there and everywhere, finding our way, trying to find our way, you're by our side protecting us. Thank you. Hallelujah. We praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. Can you fill this place with praise and give the Lord a clap offering? Praise. He's worthy. Worthy. Worthy of glory. Hallelujah. Worthy of praise. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated in your place. I just want to thank you for making your way to our place uh, this morning. As I repeat often, we don't take that for granted. There's so many places you can go to or even not go to any at all. And yet the very fact that you show up not only here physically in person, but those that watch us on the other side of that camera, we don't, uh, we don't take it for granted. We know that um, your time is being invested in these moments. And we want to make sure that we uh, re receive a word of hope, a word of encouragement. It is no doubt, I, I don't want to um, paint the reality other than what it really is and there is no doubt that we're living in times of uncertainty and upheaval uh, promises and broken promises and confusion even and we would say yes the world is in a mess but I think all of us as well the church is confronting some trying times leadership is in crisis as well um, in fact as I've been repeating for the last weeks um, uh, the only sure thing that we have is is God in our lives when we think about how health, uh, science fails, and politics fail, and strategies fail, and all sorts of things, um, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is that rock on which you can, you can plant your house, you can build your house, and build your future, a firm foundation. When all things fail, we can run to Him. So in a way, even though there's uncertainty surrounding us, because of our faith in God, we don't have to face uncertainties because he's already there. So we may not know what's there, but we know him in our lives. And I want to always encourage you to strengthen your faith and your walk with God all the time. I, 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 the last few weeks as I've been talking, I've been in a series of doctor's appointments I've been attending to. And two of my doctors, one tells me, you know, we really, Jesus really needs to come. I think I shared that with you a while back. And then the other doctor I was talking to recently tells, tells me, he says, you know, Reverend, we need people like you. There's a, a lack of leadership in this world, and we need somebody to help us think through all of that stuff. And really, it, it's a, your success in life, in whatever area in life, whether it's ministry, whether it's your own business, whether, whether, whatever it might be, 
it really, the, 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 the launching point of your life is really the strength of your foundation. That foundation needs to be God. Not necessarily religion or philosophy, but you have to have a relationship with God. That's what's going to help you make it through the difficult times. I was meditating and praying and looking through, Lord, what would you want me to share with the church today? And I landed on something that I think is so significant, certainly for me, but I want to take these moments and, and share it with you. Oftentimes when we go to Scripture, we, we find the very familiar names, and it's kind of easy to tell the stories of David and to tell the stories of, uh, of Job and, and tell the stories, if you go to the New Testament, of, uh, uh, of the Apostle Paul. But sometimes there, there are other people that lie behind the personalities, if you will, of Scripture that have profound teaching for us, that we can learn something from them and glean uh, from their experiences and their wisdom in order to help us navigate through life. And, you know, you're only as strong as how you get through the next problem when you think about it. That's, you know, we may talk about victory and power and I'm an overcomer. When things are going fine, it's, it's fine. But when things are... There's a rough patch on the road. That's when your true grit is measured. That's when you really know who you are. And you really know who your friends are and the people around you might be. It's in those trying times. So we need to uh, sometimes look at the slippery slopes of life, the challenges of life, the reality, as I started sharing a few moments ago, of where we are as a nation, as a world. You know, right now you don't have to go far with how this COVID is. is we thought that it was over, but now we're on this next wave and, 12 million plus already infected. The USA is the worst country in the world. How We put man on the moon in 1969. How is that possible? But it is because, well, a lot of reasons. We won't get into that right now. But this is the reality that we're facing. This is what is before us. And we can sing ourselves happy, and we can claim it, name it, grab it, blab it. But unless we realize that we're not going to be able to face certainty in an uncertain tomorrow, unless Christ, unless God is the foundation of our lives. And as I was looking through Scripture, I, I stumbled once again. Stumble is the wrong word because it might imply that accidentally. But I, I started exploring once again Peter, the Apostle Peter. And, and surely someone that, as I was mentioning, sometimes might be uh, overlooked as uh, someone that can teach me some powerful principles. But I, I beg to differ on this examination in this text today of First Peter chapter 5. And I've selected this passage to preach under the theme, Wisdom to Shape Your Tomorrow. Wisdom to Shape Your Tomorrow. And Peter was uh, an obscure, if you will, apostle. Certainly not with the celebrity of the apostle Paul and others that we find. Uh, even James had much more popularity than him. But Peter, oftentimes, we think about the guy that was chopping somebody's head off but missed and got only their ear. Or we think of someone that denies and we, we, we think of all sorts of negative attributes because can I tell you a little secret right now? Is that all right? Can I tell you? Don't tell anybody this. But human beings, we have a, a default setting to the negative. Very rarely do you find a human being's temperament to default to the positive. And so even when we examine scripture, someone like Peter we will default to his negative attributes. But not you, but do you know anybody that has had negative things that they did or experienced in their lives? Not you, but somebody we know. But oftentimes we default to seeing the negative in people rather than the positive. And Peter is way beyond what we would initially look at. 
And here we find him in this passage, the Apostle Peter is writing this right in the middle of the first century, probably in the year 50 or 60, around there of the first century. Now, if uh, year zero is when Jesus died or presented himself into the, his the history of mankind. So Peter is speaking to a group of people that were probably eyewitnesses to the teachings of the Master. See, no one here, I think, was alive when Jesus was walking on earth. Is that true? No one here was alive? If you don't know, see me after the service. You can pray for me. But Peter is speaking now to the audience, to an audience that had experienced the miraculous. They were just a, a few decades removed from the crucifixion and, and, and Christ dying. <clears throat> and now Peter is speaking to these people that still had, and it's important to understand that because the embers of the power of the Messiah was still there in people's hearts and in their mind. Perhaps life. Perhaps the ups and downs of situations had caused those embers to lose their heat and their glow. But nonetheless, the embers were there. And Peter is used by the Holy Spirit to fan the flames of potentiality in these people. And to extension to you and I. <clears throat> so he's writing in the first century to an audience of believers that they had experienced suffering. They had experienced calamity. Remember, if we're looking at the middle of the first century, we know that when Christ... All of a sudden, you know, he, 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 he fulfills his mission, goes on, is up on the right hand of the Father now. The apostles were scattered because persecution started at the church. And by the way, persecution in that context is not persecution. I mean, some of you get so offended when somebody doesn't greet you on social media. That is not persecution. Say <laughs> amen for the person next to you, not you. But. I mean, we got all bent out of shape because somebody took my seat. Persecution. Somebody told me, you can't get in the elevator. Only two people in the elevator at the time. You get offended. Persecution back then was they'd kill you. So they were in the middle of this persecution for the sake of the gospel. And Peter now, anointed of the Lord, led of the Lord, the apostle, decides to write to these people who were in the middle of the, the, this difficulty. And I, and I want to submit to you that we live in a, in a world right now. We live in a world, uh, 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 a world view. We have an, a world view that is contrary to scripture. And oftentimes, even in this country, we think that a hard time is that I didn't have money to buy the second soda. We, I was talking, listening to someone's testimony this, this week on, on, online, and they were saying that, and she was saying that her biggest worry was the next meal she was going to have. And I don't know if anybody in this audience or those on the other side of the camera have ever experienced that. Some people have lived their whole life and never felt hunger pains in this country. In fact, persecution here means something totally different than in the rest of the world. And we oftentimes think that that doesn't really exist over there. Church, it's time to wake up to the reality. It's time for our, our, the roots of our, the bedrock of what we thought was solid to be shaken so that we might realize what we have had all along in the Lord. And how favored, highly favored we are of God. And that will give us a heart of compassion to people that are in need. We think being inconvenienced and being locked up at home, that is horrible persecution. Let me, let me tell you, we have to take a look at other places on this globe. Of people that are made in the likeness and image of God, of men and women and children of God in other places. But yet we think, our worldview says, oh my goodness, my favorite restaurant is closed. And our world shatters. Paul is writing to a people that were Christians, followers of the way. 
And he's writing to them because they were experiencing intense suffering because of the gospel. And in this passage in particular of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, uh, he's advising the Christians on how to conduct themselves in the middle of calamity. That is interesting. He's instructing them how they should behave. And that's what I want to get to. That's why I, I, I titled this Wisdom That Will Shape Your Tomorrow. I think oftentimes we may clap ourselves happy during this hour that we have in worship right now. But what really makes a difference in this world is the other 23 hours. Some of you want to clap, but let's all clap because I know some of you want to clap, but you don't want to. You want to hold back. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm only going to tell you the truth. I'm only going to tell you. And, and, and what happened, these people now were in the middle of pain, in the middle of difficulty, and he advises them how in the middle of the storm, there's a song in Spanish that translates horribly into the English, doesn't carry the same meaning, that it says it's real easy, basically what it says is, it's real easy to sing when things are going fine. But during pain, that's the time to sing. And that's so true. It's easy for us to be happy and be encouraged and be well and and moving forward and skipping along as the song is playing or not playing. (laughs) But when things get tough, in fact, I like the quote by Dr. Robert Schuller, the former, the founder of the Crystal Cathedral. He said, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. And church, I want us to look at calamity, suffering, difficulty. And I'm not going to, by the way, when we finish, you'll be happy. I'm not going to discourage you today. It's not going to be a sad sermon. But I think it's going to be a a, a foundational rattling sermon for all of us. Using the example that Peter gives to the people there uh, as he's writing to them to encourage them from the middle of calamity. Challenges are difficult to accept. If I gave you a choice between a trial or a blessing, we would all pick the blessing. But that would be so unfair and so hypocritical of me because there's going to be ups in life, but there are also going to be downs in life. The reality of our existence is that pain will be our companion at some point or another. And we, those washed by the blood of the Lamb, those that are professing to walk with the Lord, to have a level of faith in Christ, we need to carry ourselves differently. We can't do social media and Leave, uh, leave uh, our Christianity out away from the computer, computer. We need to make sure that in all our interactions, we're elevating Christ. We're living in a way that is pleasing unto the Lord. That's part of the problem of the context that we're living right now. That you don't know what to believe, who to believe, what is truth. Truth is trying to be redefined. And in reality, in its core way, truth cannot be redefined. Because cr- truth just is. Amen. Or to use an urban vernacular, truth just be. It be yesterday, it be now, and it be tomorrow. It doesn't change. There's no way to amend it and change it. It just is. And the truth for us is the Lord Jesus Christ, the the, the way for us, the truth for us, the path that we need to take. And so Peter shares with the people there in an extension to us. Look at what he says in verse 3. I love this part. He he, he ends up telling them to follow. I just want to capture one part of the verse of verse 3. He says, but being examples to the flock. And I think part of the mindset we need to have of wisdom and truth is to be an example. You know, and if you think about it, it's not that far-fetched. Be who you say you are. When people are watching and when people are not watching. I think the worst thing a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ can hear, they say, wow, I never knew you were a Christian. I mean, that's an insult. What? You weren't shining light. 
So if you don't shine light, uh, let me leave it there. Let the conviction, you, you conclude the conviction to your heart. Huh? We need to be an example. You and I are called to exemplify, to show. And I'm not talking about a level of spirituality that you'll walk on water, which Peter did, by the way, as well. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a life of integrity, that your yes is yes and your no is no. And you don't accommodate failure. You don't accommodate lying. You don't accommodate uh, 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 an inclination toward perversity or toxicity. But rather you have an example that you yourself, even though it's difficult, you strive to follow. In fact, let me go a little bit further on this because I just don't want to talk in general terms. I also want to speak to leadership that are here and those that are watching me on the other side. The minute you say yes to leadership, there is a higher calling of responsibility that you have. You cannot carry yourself the way you were before. I come from a very large family, very large family. And I'm the, on the, young, the younger side of my family. And my brothers and sisters, when we get together for our family events, I don't go there as pastor, of reverend, doctor, none of that stuff. I come as the 11th uh, sibling. That's how I come in. But oftentimes when my brothers or my sisters start getting into conversations that they know they should not be getting in in, in my presence, Right away, the elbows start going. He's here. He just ruined the party. Do family members or coworkers feel comfortable when the conversation goes down the tubes? Or do they stop and say, whoa, she's here? I think we need to be an example. We are called to be an example to people. I cannot call you to pray if I don't. I cannot call you to daily Bible readings if I don't. We're moving forward with our, I don't know how we're going to do it because COVID is going to still be around, but in, in January, we're going to our fasting and praying. And you know the way we've done it in years past? We go in here twice every, every single day, we pray, but you always see me praying there in the altar, right? I don't even know if we can do it in prayer. I don't know yet, but I know we're going to pray. Because <laughs> if anything we need to do is pray. <laughs> we need to pray. We need to be an example that what you say you're going to do, that is what you do. That people don't have to question, or loved ones don't have to question, where is he? He's not here. Where is she? And right away the mind goes where it shouldn't be going. Amen. You, you can say amen if you, if you, for somebody else right now. Be an example. Great leaders devote themselves to being followers of Christ. You can't be perfect. You're not being Christ, but you're trying to be Christ-like. Uh, we need to be careful being an example. We need to be an, an, example, uh, be an example also in watching over others and caring for others. Not because we have to, but because we need to do that. We can't just overlook at the, the suffering and the, and, 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 and the despair that we're finding around there. Uh, don't tell me that homelessness is going up in our community, in our city, if you're not doing anything about it. Otherwise, it's just rhetoric. Don't tell us that. And, you know, by the way, you need to stock up. You know, the lines are getting longer, and then you, you've seen the lines already. In fact, we're seeing that our pantry at VU, Vision Urbana, we're getting a lot of resources coming in because we've been designated as one of those emergency places where people can get food. But we, we can't be pointing our, oh, me, oh, my, look how horrible their situation is unless we somehow, some way, become Jesus with flesh on. Uh, we can't uh, be an example if we're being an example from afar. We have to uh, penetrate and insert ourselves into the suffering and difficulties of people. We have to sit in the ashes of a person going through the loss in their lives. And you might not have a, a magic Bible verse that will make them feel better, but you can cry with those that cry, suffer with those that suffer, be in despair with those that are in despair. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. Be an example. 
the, the bulk of it. Jesus was a primary example when it came to suffering. See, our theology, our theology is simply the way you think of God or godly things. We don't allow room for suffering. We think suffering is because I disobeyed. We think suffering is because the devil got inserted in my life and messed things up. We think uh, I'm suffering because he or she did me wrong. We think we're suffering because I was born on the wrong side of the track. We think suffering, of, but suffering is part of our journey of maturation. It is. It is. The victory of the cross was anticipated by the suffering of Gethsemane. And Jesus was aware before he left heaven. Just read Colossians and read, read, read some of the, the letters in the New Testament. Jesus left that place, that place of bliss, to come and limit himself and become man. That's amazing. We need to be an example, church. As individuals in our family, at our workplace, with our neighbors, do our neighbors know where we stand? And I'm not trying to say try to drag them kicking and, and all that to the church. No, maybe you're not the one that's supposed to drag them. But at least your example, your example will be one that will show people that there are possibilities to live a wonderful life. That there's possibilities to have a, a solid home. There's possibilities to have a life that others would want to have, that would, that would show the love of God. We need to watch over the, and care for others and not do it because we have to do it. Uh, do not use, in fact, it says in the text prior to that, one through two, three, that you got to be careful of dishonest gain. And in that context, it's talking about just economy and, and how you handle money and how you handle money for ministry at that point. That we're on a constant quest of, like, like today, constant time of raising funds to be able to do evangelism, missionary trips. That's what Paul used to do. Got into trouble for, trying, for writing letters and petitioning for offerings and all that. So if you're getting uncomfortable about giving, welcome to the first century church. The way it has been, is, and will be. But you don't use that for anything other than what it was intended to be used. Are you following me, church? We've got to make sure that we do not use uh, our, the things that we have as, uh, as a way of a blessing or not blessing someone. Or other thoughts that might come into our mind. In fact, let us just not leave it on finances because that's what it meant there. But I think the application for today is broader than that. You can't use your position, your title, your corner office, the authority that you might have because now you're part, you're the president of the Tenants Association in your building. To make people pay for your own dysfunctions. You can't. That is not biblical. That is not God. God placed you in, the, in, in a position. God did it. Not you didn't do it. You said, no, but I know people. You don't, just make sure you know a person. And he puts you in a place and puts us in a place in, uh, of leadership to be able to bless people. They don't have to submit a, 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 a proposal trying to gain our favor. We need to be careful. We need to be an, ex an example. Not to use and abuse the privileges that we have simply because somebody else has had a rough, a rough patch in their road. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I was, I, we used to have, what was his name, Anthony, the, 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 the homeless guy that was in our, the front of our building years ago. And we have this image of homeless people and we think, oh, they, you know, it's because they want to. We don't, we, if you say that, you obviously haven't studied very closely homelessness here in the city. It's a lot more, much more complex than that. One of the things that fascinated me about he used to always be at the when they waited for Sunday, Sunday service finished, and then he would camp out in the front and people would say, hey, you can't have this guy sitting here. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. 
And I remember after everybody was gone, I would exit and stand there for a few moments with him. And we would have such a, and I would wonder, I said, what is this guy doing? This guy's an intellectual. This guy's smart. This guy, he knows stuff. In fact, one time the police tried to remove him. I don't know who in the neighborhood complained because we didn't complain. Tried to tell him to move on. He went and took the, the NYPD to the, what is it, Civilian Review Board. He himself <laughs> didn't get a lawyer. But oftentimes, oh, homeless. Oh, you know the history, that family. You, we got to be careful, church, that we don't stand on this pontificating platform and think that we got it all together. We don't have it all together. And part of wisdom for shaping our tomorrow is that the people that are hurting today are going to be very much in, uh, necessary for what God is going to do tomorrow. The people that are overlooked, we have to be careful with that. We may end up reporting to them. We need to be able to, uh, uh, church, be an example. Don't use your position to pursue dishonest uh, 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 advantages. Be an example in every area. I mentioned a few moments ago, and I just want to touch it because I have him in my notes. I want to honor all the work I put in, in these notes. Be an example even in your social media. That last post, did it honor God? Can I tell you, uh, this is a, a biblical truth. Ready for the biblical truth? Nothing, say nothing with me. Nothing, nothing gets resolved on social media. Nothing. Nothing. Say nothing with me again. Does it honor God? That's all I'm saying. And if it doesn't honor God, it shouldn't be part because we need to be an example. The second thing I see coming out of this text uh, of wisdom for shaping my tomorrow is we need to practice humility. Be humble toward other people. It says in verses 5 and 6, in the same way you are, you, you are who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. That phrase, clothe yourself, is very important. In, in, in another version, it says to redress yourself. So this morning... Uh, when I got up, the, actually last night before I went to bed, I selected what I, don't I look nice? Okay. <laughs> You're so kind. Uh, if I say don't I look horrible, anyway, let me so I had to go and, no, the Holy Spirit didn't come down and selected my shoes, selected my socks, the, oh, this tie that I wore, I went because the way I was dressed yesterday, I needed to redress in order to be here today. That's what that original means there. It says it here in the NIV a little bit softer, but if you get to the other versions, and if you go into original language, you will find that it's to redress. And he's saying to redress humility. That implies to me that that means at one point you were humble. And you need to put it back on. So it isn't something that somebody lays hands on you, and all of a sudden you become humble. It isn't a, 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 ser, a, a series of teachings that you take under the skill of Pastor Fernando and take that classes that you take on Zoom, and then out of, you come out of there being humble. Maybe that'll happen. But it is something that you intentionally pursue and go after. We have a tendency deep down inside. It's intrinsic in us. I believe it's part of our human nature that needs to be redeemed by the power of the blood. That we often think that we are being humble. If you say you're being humble, you're not being humble because you have to say it. Humility is something that others recognize in you, not that you announce with a sign. But it's Peter is telling the people, listen, if you want wisdom for tomorrow, because this persecution is going to end, 
this time is going to end. We're going to go into the second and third century, and the gospel will be spread on and on and on. But if you want to do that, you need to practice humility. You need to clothe yourself with the humility of Christ. That's tough to do. And humility is simple to, is simple to define. It means that you don't consider yourself superior to someone else in whatever area. Well, I'm cuter. I'm taller. I'm healthier. I'm skinnier. I'm richer. I'm poorer. I'm more eloquent. I can speak five languages. No, the moment you start thinking yourself superior to someone else, uh, 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 you know what evaporates? Humility inside of us. It's when we see that we're all made in the likeness and image of God and we clothe ourselves intentionally every day with a clothing of humility. That we don't esteem ourselves higher, but we consider all the same. We need to practice humility in our lives. People make mistakes. Humility opens the door for forgiveness. We see men and women and people that we love and we care for. They slip and slide and fall and make mistakes. You can't hold, keep holding people to the last mistake that they made. That is not humble. Again, humility opens the door for forgiveness. That's what it does. It opens the door because we realize the greatness of God and our insufficiency. In fact, if you're not humble, you can't even worship. Because one of the definitions of worship is that I realize my insufficiency before an all-sufficient God. And I realize that he has the power to destroy me. But because of his love, he tolerates my imperfections. Hallelujah. You getting me right now? So humility opens the door to so much. Humility opens the door for me. Uh, it's also the, the opening door to the path of exploration and discovery. We need to consider ourselves less than someone else. And it is not, I mean, before the, the psychologists here have parties, it isn't about low self-esteem. That's something different. But it's realizing that you and I are on the same playing field. God loves you, loves me. You have the image of God. I have the image of God. You've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. It's only by grace that we stand here before this awesome God. And we can move forward together. Together. Be humble toward one another. Remember that God opposes the proud. But he always shows favor to the humble. Think about that for a moment. We're going to be surprised in heaven who's going to be rewarded. Hallelujah. It's not the mighty names that you know. This church stands on the shoulders of men and women. This month, by the way, we celebrate our 67th anniversary. Yeah, this month. And this church stands on the shoulders of men and women. Some not alive today, but even those that are alive today have never preached a sermon from this pulpit. Have never led worship from this place have never, never uh, uh, demonstrated any leadership in this place, but they prayed. They were seeking after God. They were we see the tradition following on Thursdays when the women in the Spanish church get together and pray. They pray for us by name. That didn't just happen now that they meet every Thursday on phone call. That's been going on for 67 years, church. But we don't see their names mentioned. We, don't, we, we oftentimes forget them. And that's okay. That's all right. But we need to make sure that we realize we're here because someone else prayed me through to get here. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. And when we realize that, church, then we'll allow other people to stand on our shoulders and we'll catapult them into their future. Wisdom to shape your tomorrow. Remember that God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble. True hum humility will result in God lifting you up. In fact, at the end of the phrase that I just read in verses six, uh, 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 5 and 6, it says, Therefore, under God's mighty hand, He may lift you up in due time. Oh, I don't have time 
but I need to explain it. When it says in due time, that means he will lift up, but wait, not yet. We have problems with that not yet. Didn't I just read it in the NIV? He says, he's going to exalt you. He's going to lift you up. Oh, no, but I'm called. The Lord spoke to me. I got to, oh, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But, but can you navigate through the storm for a little while? Can you mature a little bit more for this? Because in due time, oh, I don't know if you're getting this. Hallelujah. It may, it may not be right now. Right now, he's still, you're still on the potter's wheel. And yeah, it's dizzy because you're going around the pot. He's shaping. He's taking that out. The imperfections are being molded out. But in due time. And you know what's amazing about in... Uh, oh. Woo! See, in due time, we think, okay, but when? No, no, no. In due time doesn't even ask that question. Because in due time, when we, we want it our way, well, what's the deadline? Will it be the first quarter, second quarter? Will it be in June? Maybe around my birthday or the anniversary of when I came to the Lord? When will it be? We have this quest to want to know. In due time means that I trust you so much that whenever it's going to be, I'm Okay. Even in the most inconvenient moments, even when the world says I'm unpopular, in due time, you will do the lifting up. Come on, praise him for a moment and I'll, hallelujah. I've gotten to a place that I rather wait upon the Lord while suffering is taking place because I know that God knows how to lift up. God knows how to pick up, and I would rather have God pick me up than popularity, than people, than things being affected, than programs working, than whatever the measurement that society might have meets that requirement. I'd rather meet God's requirements, and that is wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, hallelujah. Waiting is tough. You know it's tough. That's why you zigzag out of traffic. Waiting is tough. That's why not. Lines are worse now. You got to wait six feet away from the person. Even coming in here. But we've got to learn to be waiters, not waiters, waiters, wait. Chill out. I've discovered in my life that what God has promised to me and my family and me is going to, nobody's going to stop it. If I can remain faithful, I may not even see the prize. But if he said it, I can bank on that. It's going to come to reality. That job, that promotion, that, that home, whatever it might be, that place, that uh, society's, uh, uh, whatever it might be, that's going to happen. In, but we have to wait. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, my God. I don't have enough time for this. Hallelujah. Be an example. Be humble toward others. And look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, cast all. Say all with me. All, say it again, all, all. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares. Some people love to carry their anxieties. And their anxieties, and their anxieties, and their anxieties. That's why they're so anxious. How many more pills can you take? My goodness, they got yourself down. If we trust God... Even in the middle of bad situations like we are right now, some people now are worried what's going to happen January 20th, what's going all these things, right? You start worrying so much about that stuff that we have to, the last time I checked, God is still on his throne. The last time I checked, he's really the king. He's really the king. <laughs> but we, we, we freak out and panic so much. And we're worrying about things that we really don't need to worry about. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that says, have you added a day to yourself or an inch to your life? By worrying. We become experts in worrying. 
But he says here to cast. And cast there is also, and I don't have time to explain fully, but cast means that I intentionally take that that is on me and put it on, put it somewhere else. Right? So I'm not waiting for somebody else to come and take it off me to put I need to do that. So I can preach this, teach this, and even go deeper on this point. But unless you decide, I'm not going to worry about it. You know what? Here's what the, the day that you dedicated your family to the Lord and you trusted God on that day, keep trusting him today. Oh, no, but 20 years, keep trusting today. The day that you dedicated your baby and now is a grown man, a grown woman, keep trusting that same God. Oh, no, but you don't know what my kids are doing. It, tr God is still the same. So your kids might be here, there, and everywhere, but God will catch, they'll, they'll catch up to God's plan over their life. Can you trust God? This is, Danabel Hall, this is not the time for giving up. This is the time for holding on. You have to hold on. You have to wait. Are you getting something here on this today? Cast all your worries. And boy, do we have concerns right now. We have to wear masks. We have to wash our hands. We have to get splinters on our hands from washing so much. We have to have six feet, and you have to know six feet. You can't measure it, so you have to know it. Now, only two people in an elevator. We have all this stuff going on. The restaurants are going to close. The restaurant, your favorite restaurant is going to close. Oh, my goodness. And the kids, what am I going to do? School and the grandkids in school. And then the lines to get food, and there's nothing in the... What am I going to do? Is, is Kmart going to go bankrupt? Is Walmart going to go bankrupt? Is, is the, the bodega in the corner going to... What, what am I, what am I gonna, Is the church going to be open or closed? God is still on his throne. I just told you a few moments ago, we're going to do our prayer in January. I don't know what it's going to look like because I'm not a magician. But I've learned early on to be an expert in obedience. And I'm going to be obedient to God. And I, I'm praying in January. And we're going to go forth like we always have. I don't know where Corona is going to be. But, you know, this could be a, a Goshen for us. That the calamity is affecting everybody, but there's a, a peace here and a, 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 a sanitized environment here. I believe You say, Pastor, you're being crazy. Let me be crazy in believing God and trusting God, and you be crazy in some other ways. Come on, praise the Lord. Thank him for a moment. Cast all your cares. Manage your stresses, anxieties, uncertainties with maturity. Stop panicking the way you're panicking. I mean, it's amazing. We, 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 you do the right thing and honor God, and he's going to protect you. You say, you say, yeah, but I'm sick and tired of wearing masks, and I'm sick and tired of washing my hands. Fine, but do it anyway. But trust the Lord in the, as we're doing all of that. That we have to do it. We, we were so quick in fo focusing on the negative. The negative is easier to identify in somebody. Sometimes it's harder to find positive qualities in individuals or even in yourself. And we need to move away. Do you, do you know, and there's a, the quote, I've used this quote before that I put together, but whatever you focus on, you give life to. So if all you're focusing in is on negative stuff, that's what's going to take preeminence in your life. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not going to be concerned about whether I'm going to catch something tomorrow or the next week. I'm, I'm going to praise God today and thank Him for His provision and protection the following day. And, and, and we oftentimes, we think the negative. This is the end. That's why you got to be careful and balance prophecy. Listen, I want to tell you right now, I'm responsible for this pulpit. Just bear with me for a moment. I'm responsible for this pulpit and this congregation. There's a lot of stuff all over, the, all over the place about prophecies coming and going. Listen to what I tell you. Okay? Listen to what I tell you. Listen to what we say from this pulpit. Not everything that is being shared. God, if God could get himself a good lawyer, he should sue all these people. Not all of them. Let me backtrack. A few of them. Listen to what you get. It's like when you think about eating well... If you're like me, I go and think back, wow, man, when my mom was running, she would cook that food. It was just amazing, right? 
Home is the best place to get the, the, your, your spiritual nourishment. If this is your home, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to what we're saying in this book. We can't be jumping back and forth. And people prophesying one thing and saying something else. Can't, and then it creates worry. Because right now the prophecy is right. 20, the, the last prophecy I heard. Now, let me stop using the word prophecy. The last prediction I, I heard was that now because of what happened this year, God's going to punish the whole world in 2020. 2021. The whole world. Last time I read, the chastisement was cast upon him on the cross of Calvary. All of it. The wrath of God was dumped on the Lord. And you know what's true? You mean it gets worse than what we're having? No, that's not the God that we serve. Now, does God, God doesn't punish. God corrects. He disciplines us. But punishment, that means to obliterate, obliterate. That means to extinguish. No, 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 no. That's not the, God doesn't function that way. Old Testament, yes. And if you continue living in the Old Testament, Ananias and Sapphira will become a reality as it did in the book of Acts. Don't mess with God. But let's stay balanced. I marvel at people that, yeah, but prophecies. You don't even know the, the, the depth of uh, the basic things about the work of God. And now you want to tell pulpits what is or is not the will of God? Come on now. Sorry, I, I just, let me, let me put my control jacket back on. It's true. Manage. Stop focusing on the negative. Stop focusing. Rather, rather than God's going to punish us, I'd rather look that he's coming back for his church. That's a whole different perspective. Rather than feeling empty, Lord, I want to be filled with you, with hope and high expectations. Embrace the God that really cares for you. Listen to this psalm. This psalm is really good. And the psalmist, he declares through questions. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. And look at what he says. He personalizes, my God and my Savior. That's what we need to do in order to be able to shape our tomorrow. Can I go a little further on this? Give me three more hours and we'll... we'll, we'll. Make sure, listen to this very, this is powerful. Make sure that you keep an eye on the powers of darkness. Sometimes we get so enamored with the glory of God being in the temple... That we and and Peter, I'm going to read it to you right now. Peter is warning these believers: be careful, keep an eye. And church, I know right now we're living in such a sophisticated world that people are saying now, even from pulpits, that they don't really believe in the power of darkness. What? What? <laughs> I'll say it again. What? Are you kidding me? In fact, you know when Satan is successful. He is successful when he has convinced people that he doesn't exist. That's when he is successful. When you look at the landscape of our culture and our society and our world, and you say, no, it's all, it's all politicians' fault. It's all uh, scientists' fault. It's all the, and we're pointing blame. There is an enemy that is alive and unfortunately well for a time because the same way there is a set time when God is going to exalt you and I, there's a set t- mm. Hallelujah. Keep an eye. He says here, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. 
Stand firm in faith. I'll get to that in a moment. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And really he, he's just highlighting that in that moment, in that gnosis, in that moment of, of understanding, uh, suffering and pain was happening throughout the region and throughout the church because they were being persecuted. But we know that the, the devil is, is around, the powers of darkness are around to bring confusion. Confusion is not a product of our genuine uh, 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 connection with God. Confusion is the enemy coming in and making us believe all sorts of... Do you know what confusion is? That you believe two things at the same time that are opposing to each other. That's confusion. And God doesn't do that. But the enemy does. The enemy makes you paranoid first. They took my seat. They don't greet me. The pastor has a mask on, but it's not like the one I have. All these things. You in your mind, you sit here. In fact, take your right hand. Take your hand. Don't, no, don't slap yourself. <laughs> slap the neighbor next to you. No, 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 no. Take your right hand. Put it on your forehead and say, I rebuke every evil thought in Jesus' name. Amen. The devil is out prowling. Listen, before you sin, you figure it out in your mind. Before you fall into adultery, fornication, and all sexual deviations, you think it in your mind first before you steal money. You think it in your mind first before you tell somebody off and give them a piece of my mind. That means there was a piece in your mind that was thinking depravity. Yes. Be careful. Because he makes believe he's a lion. He makes me, and by the way, let me just explode it right now. And that is this following truth. The devil is not out to knock you down. He's out to kill you. The devil is not out to, to uh, uh, have your children deviate from the path you want for them. The devil is out to kill your children. Kill and destroy your seed. See, when you understand that, now that's different. That's why my, at home, their moment, and you better do this often. Don't wait for when we pray for keys to pray for your home. You should be praying for your home all the time. I, I stand and as the, as, as, the, as the priest in my home, I stand in, my, in the entrance to my home, and I said, devil, not here, not yesterday, not today, not tomorrow. Not in my home. Not around my kids. Not around my grandkids. Not around people that hang. Not, not around this church. You know how I come in here at night sometimes by myself, or early in the morning, nobody's here, and I'm parading through this place, and I say, not in this place. Now, the devil can have a feast with me, but greater is he who is in me. Are you following me? You need to stand on the place of authority and come against drug addiction and come against rebelliousness and come against these things that are happening in our homes and in our families and say, devil, you're not going to have your way here. You're not going to have my kids. My kids are going to live. My kids are going to live and be fruitful. My family will be at peace. You will work a healing in my body. Hallelujah. Be alert. The kingdoms of darkness exist. Satan's biggest victory is when he convinces us that he doesn't exist. He exists, but God exists yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He might be walking around trying to devour me, but I'm going to resist by faith. Resist by faith. You can't call an army down. you got to stand firmly on your convictions before the Lord. you got to take the word and let it, let it, let it, let it seep into your, your psyche and who you are. You may not have an opportunity when the devil comes knocking on your family and your children and, and playing havoc in your mind. Right now, there's this new phenomenon in psychology, right? And that's people feel all shut up. I forget what the name is. Not shut up that they don't speak, but they're, they're locked up in their homes for so long. They have some, they leave it to scientists, right? Come up with a nice fancy term that I don't remember right now, right? Those things start to, no, no, you need to stand on fir firmly and say, Lord, no, my mind's going to grow up. I'm not losing my mind. 
And stand on the authority. You don't have an opportunity to dial 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME right now because I'm going crazy. You got to stand on the faith. And you, you might say, well, what faith? The faith that God already gave you to believe. You might not have the faith of the church mothers in this church. But you have a degree of conviction in God. Use that. That's the dosage. Don't wait for the vaccine. That's the vaccine. You need a dosage of that level of faith to say no. Devil, you're in here and you can, you can have a party with me. Because I, there's no way I can defeat you. Right? But I humbly submit to you, devil. Look who's with me. Where are you running? Where are you running? Wait, look. Look who's with me. Don't stand on your accomplishments. But stand on the convictions you have with the Lord Jesus. And I believe it's going to turn around. I really believe in you. I really believe it. I've seen it. Be of clear mind. Be, be alert. The kingdom exists. The devil prowls around. But resist with your faith. Stand in, in moments of suffering. Stand firmly. These believers were in suffering and they needed to stand against the powers of darkness. It is not just the same to see. And I've said this because I, I believe in what happened here in, the, in our country is that the, this, this uh, deception just covered this nation. And it's true. You see the evidence today. But I didn't just declare that. I've been praying against it. I've been neutralizing that all the time. I don't want it in this building. I don't want it with our women and with our men, with our young people, with our children. I don't want that. I want the light of the gospel shining in the hearts of people. And stand on faith and stand firm. You've seen me. I get one of these crazy hallelujah moments that I get. That I'm, I think I'm going to get one in a moment here again. And that's when I just start declaring over this church. God's going to protect you from sickness. God's going to protect you from the enemy come knocking on you. God's going to. I have a responsibility to do that. That's not me. I'm only five foot eight, wishing I was six foot five. But what the devil sees is not five foot eight. Are you getting me? Are you getting me today? Keep an eye on the powers of darkness. Let us not be deceived. Let us keep an eye and stand firm. Suffering is common to all believers, and we need to stand in faith alongside. Finally, let me let me just close. Because I've talked about being an example, humble yourself to one another, cast your cares on him, keep an eye on the powers of darkness. Let me close with this, verse 10. And this one, uh, some scholars say that this was a doxology. In other words, this was a, a prayer that the bishop or the apostle Paul, or Peter rather, would declare over the people. So that's what it, it, and if you look at the phrasing grammatically, it inclines to that. But I, I want to take it a little bit further. I want to make it as a promise of encouragement to you and I. So if you look at verse 10, listen to it, it actually encourages you. And, and it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Watch this, you may not say amen now, but after you have suffered for a little while. After. Actually, I see hope in that phrase, after. That means I'm going to get out. I'm going to get through. He himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's what tomorrow can look like. You getting out of the problem, being strong, firm, and steadfast. You having victory in the moment of calamity with this promise, getting to the other side, and God restores to give it back to you again to make you strong. You may feel weak right now, but I want to tell you that tomorrow can be shaped to be a place for your strength, for you to be firm and steadfast. And God is going to do it. 
Let me declare over you today, this temporary suffering will end soon. It will end soon. Restoration is giving back what you lost, and God is getting ready to give you back what you've lost. We talk about freedom, and, but you're locked in. God's going to give all that back to us. I see 2021 being a year of incredible provision from God in every way. In every way. I see God lifting us up. Restoration is coming our way. Your blessing is on the other side of the current situation. On the other side of COVID-19, there is a blessing for you personally, for us as a church, for us as a city, a state, a nation, and for the world. There is a blessing if we can just hold on and not let go. Church, we need to become a people that restores the fallen. We need to be a church that helps to guide people back to become strong, firm, and steadfast. We need to make a commitment today, gain wisdom from the Apostle Peter in shaping our tomorrow. We're about to enter the last month of this year. And I know some people are saying, finally. But the memories of what has happened stay with us. And unless we recalibrate our thinking, we're going to stifle when the blessing of the Lord will come for us next year. So we need to have a reframing taking place. In, in his book, uh, Peter Senji on, on the fifth discipline, he says that part of it is that we need to have a, a, a rethinking of a strategy. Don't look at people as your enemies. Look at people as your sojourners as we move forward. Don't look at people as uh, being of one ideology or another ideology. We're part of the human race moving forward. And we need to get there, and we will get there together. If I can just remind you of the prophetic words over this church for so many years, and this is the, the month of our anniversary of our church, the Lord spoke to us that we were going to be a shining light, not just here in this city, but even further, and it's happening already. And when I think about that picture, it's kind of unsettling and frightening. But you know what? God has a timing for elevating, and, and we, can, we can't do it alone. It's got to be all of us working together. It's all of us rallying behind. How can we be a blessing to others? How can I change my world? You may not be able to do it individually, but how can we collectively change our world? How can we change the perspective of people that we work with and family members that we have? It's standing firm on our convictions of faith before the Lord. It's navigating with maturity the storms that life might bring. It's getting to the other side and then walking in uh, strong and firmness and steadfast. And God is then going to point to us as an example of people that have learned to follow after Jesus. Let's stand up for a moment. I want you to close your eyes and lift up your hands. I want to declare a psalm over you and then go into a moment of prayer. As we think about wisdom for shaping your tomorrow, just lift up your hands and close your eyes for a moment. Listen very closely. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Father, help us in this moment to realize that what we're seeing around ourselves, those are the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. That we might realize, Lord, that as we fully 
trust you. You will protect us now and forever. That even those that are connected to us will have your divine protection as we stand firm trusting you. Holy Spirit, come and breathe upon us. Touch us from head to toe. Strengthen us so that we can already see that blessing that's promised to tomorrow becoming a reality today. Keep your hands up, eyes closed. Worship the Lord.